Good morning, church. It is good to see you all on this morning, and I hope that thus far you have been blessed in the service. I know that I have, and for that I am very, very grateful. By the way, just uh, let me say, uh, I hope that uh, this Christmas season, Christmas is just a few days away, that uh, you are able to rejoice over whatever blessings may come from the Christmas season. Maybe that's some time off, maybe that's gifts, maybe that's family. Uh, of course, it is Christ. Amen? Amen? But whatever benefits the Lord gives to us as a result of this season, let us be grateful for it. But at the same time, let us also be mindful of those for whom this season might be painful for whatever reason. You know, for example, there are those who've lost loved ones and this will be a season in which they uh, spend without them. Some folks are not able to see family, and then there are, of course, folks who are not as fortunate as others in celebrating the ways that we may celebrate. So just want to remind us as believers, again, we rejoice over the things that we can rejoice over, and at the same time, we're also mindful of those who are not in our boat, so to speak. Amen? Uh, with that being said, I'll invite you to rise if you are physically able. We will this morning be looking at a portion of chapter 2 in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 33. I've entitled this morning's message simply, Seeing the Salvation of the Lord. Seeing the Salvation of the Lord. Uh, if you're visiting, uh, again, we're happy to have you here. What I'll do is read this portion of Scripture, say a brief prayer, and then everyone can take their seat. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse number 25, it says these words, Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought uh, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. We'll stop there. Father, we bless your most holy name, for you are our God and we are your people. And as we look to your word on this morning, we pray indeed that your Holy Spirit will be with us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and may our hearts be molded by what it is you would have us to get from this portion of Scripture. We thank you for your word and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name that all of God's people says, amen. You can take your seat. 
as we prepare to look into uh, this portion of Scripture a little more in depth, I want you to, if this applies, if it does not apply, forgive me, but I want you to think about a moment where you might have had the opportunity to see someone or something that you were looking forward to seeing, or an experience that you were hoping for. Maybe you wanted to travel somewhere, and for some reason you thought you would never see that place, but it actually came into existence. As I was prepping these, this passage, there are three things that I personally experienced that I just could not believe I experienced. Uh, the first, and this is something I didn't reveal, I don't think, when y'all were courting me, and I was courting you all. Uh, it's not anything bad, so don't worry about that. But when I was younger, maybe Brian's age and below, I loved wrestling. I loved it. And, uh, and I, I remember the day I found out, well, that it was not, can I say real or? Uh, <laughs> it was it's choreographed. But, uh, but I, I, I loved it. I had my little action figures and I would be playing and uh, folks that are younger than me might not remember this, but some of you who got me in age, uh, back then when they did have pay-per-view, they had like the scramblers, so you could look on TV and you could hear it, but you couldn't see it because it was all scrambled out. Is that me or is that a down south thing? Uh, <laughs> But either way, I couldn't see what was going on. I just saw scrambling pictures, and I would play, and I would listen along. Well, one day, my father told me, you know, get dressed. We're about to go to a basketball game. <laughs> and uh, we were living in Tennessee at the time. And uh, so I get dressed, getting ready to go to a basketball game. And we come, and we get to the arena. And all of a sudden, we're outside of the arena but I hear Macho Man Randy Savage's music. Again, I know some of you all may not remember this, but I'm thinking this doesn't sound like basketball to me. And to make things that much more surprising, we literally walk in the wrong door, so much for security. But we happen to walk into a door where all of the wrestlers were congregated, not all, but a lot of them. And here I am still thinking folks don't like each other, but I'm seeing Dusty Rhodes, Tony Atlas. I get to shake the million dollar man Ted DiBiase's hand. And I'm in here like, I cannot believe what it is I am seeing. And, and there are a couple of other things that came to mind. I got a chance to see Michael Jordan play right before he retired, and I never thought I would get a chance to see him. I got a chance to see a preacher that meant so much to my spiritual development right before he passed. So there are a few things that come to mind that I just marveled at when I actually got the opportunity to experience it. Well, Simeon has the same feeling, but with much more importance involved. He is getting an opportunity to see 
and experienced something that had been revealed to him, but he is now actually seeing the Christ. And for him, this is a marvelous thing. Prior to looking into it a little bit closer, there are uh, a few um, preliminary things that I want you to consider. For one, out of the four Gospels, only two of them give us the birth narrative. Luke and... Luke and... Yeah, sometimes I might call upon you for your Bible knowledge. So I can't do all of the work, you know. But no, seriously speaking, Matthew and Luke are the two Gospels that record the birth narratives of Christ. But only in Luke will you see Simeon's story. And so for Luke, this was important to communicate. And while we can speculate as to why he felt it important, nonetheless, it is in his gospel and it is an important part of Jesus and him having been born. So this is the only instance of this particular story. But not only that, I did not read the two verses prior, and I won't read it now, but it plays into the context. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. His father, according to Luke, is from Nazareth, but nonetheless, he was born in Bethlehem, and now they are in Jerusalem. They are in the process of fulfilling their obligations to the law. For example, the law, specifically in Leviticus chapter 12, you will see that after a woman uh, had given birth, she would be considered impure for a certain period of time. And after that certain period of time, roughly 30, a little bit more than that perhaps, days, uh, she would go for purification purposes. And so Mary is doing that. And then on top of that, they're also uh, presenting their firstborn Jesus as unto the Lord, which according to Exodus 13 was the custom of the law. So all of that being said, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus, they're in Jerusalem, they're fulfilling their obligations to the law. Jesus is, by the way, at this point, roughly a little over a month in terms of his age, a little over a month. So that's some of the background information. I want to draw your attention to some of the portions uh, of the text. Uh, first, let's look at this figure named Simeon. Simeon, you will see, beginning in verse number 25, says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, most Bible uh, scholars uh, will communicate that it is reasonable to believe that Simeon was an older gentleman. And different commentators will suggest different ages. I believe the youngest I saw was 70, um, 71, 2 or 3, or some, somewhere thereabout. Uh, but then I saw there's Jewish scholarship that suggests that he was over 100. But either way, either way, uh, he is considered uh, an older man. And yes, uh, I, I do recognize that I said Jewish scholarship because there's some tradition about him and the putting together of the Septuagint, but I don't want to get sidetracked. But nonetheless, he has been considered an older man. 
And not only is he an older gentleman, but the scripture is very adamant about suggesting he was righteous and devout. He was not uh, some uh, person who was in the temple. Some believe he was a temple worker in some form or fashion, but he was not someone who was not the real deal. There were a lot of ministers, if you call them that, in that day who were affiliated with the temple. And of course, as you see Jesus come along and, and, and operate in his ministry, these were people who might have had various titles, but they were not devout and righteous. And yet Simeon, whatever his relation with the temple was, he was a righteous and devout man. And it says that he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, he is waiting for the redemption. In essence, this is another way of the coming Messiah to make things better, new, to restore things to where they believe they would be restored. So he is one who has been waiting eagerly, eagerly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it even says that the Holy Spirit said to him that he would see the Christ before his death. So Simeon is a very, very important figure in this particular passage, and we'll talk a little bit later about his prophecy, or not his prophecy, but his proclamation here uh, soon to come. I want you to also be mindful not only of Simeon, but the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually referenced three times. Uh, from verses 25 through 27. At the end of verse 25, it says, And the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Verse 26, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see the death, uh, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then the beginning of verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when he had, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and we'll come to that a little bit later. But the important thing is to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit plays a prominent role in the birth narrative of Christ. The Spirit plays a prominent role in Christ's ministry. Even in the Old Testament, you will see the Holy Spirit playing a role. So from a textual standpoint, I wanted to make sure that I draw your attention to that. In verse number 27, you'll see that the parents of Jesus are referenced. Joseph and Mary. One of the things that I did not reference a little bit earlier, but as it relates to their coming, excuse me, to the temple in verses uh, prior to 25, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it, it never happens until I get up here. I sing, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, the devil is alive. The word will go forth today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's get this word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, Joseph and Mary. In verses, uh, as a matter of fact, I do want you to look at this because this will uh, help my point. In verses uh, 22 and 23, so going backwards, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought, up, uh, brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And listen uh, to verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or of two young pigeons. Now that phrase is very, very important, and we can read past it if we're not familiar with uh, the Old Testament scriptures. Basically, this suggests that Joseph and Mary were poor. According to the law, you offered a sacrifice out of your resources. And if, for example, they were sacrificing or offering a bull or a lamb, that would have suggested that they were economically well off. Yet, according to the law, for those who were not that uh, well off or those who were poor, this would have been the sacrifice that they were called to offer. And so that being said, Jesus, or rather Joseph and Mary, are not financially well. They are poor, and this is why you will hear often folks refer to that very fact, that the Lord of all creation, who owned all things, came into this earth and came through a family who was not well off, economically speaking. But nonetheless, they were righteous folks. They were people who operated according to their covenant responsibilities. So that being said, uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Jesus is now in the temple. Simeon, uh, he's holding him up. He's excited. He's grateful to the Lord. He says in verse 28 and following, uh, you know, Lord, now I can depart in peace because I have seen your salvation. He is, he is ready to go now that he has seen this awesome promise that the Lord had revealed. But what's interesting is his proclamation that he makes in verses 31 and 32. He goes on and he says uh, in verse 31 and 32 that you have prepared in the presence of the people, referring to Jesus and salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And in verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, Simeon goes on to say a, a couple of other things, and I will challenge you to read that in your own time on this Sabbath day. But let's think about what we've just read and what I've gone over briefly. There are three, three uh, aspects of this text that I want us to consider from an application standpoint. The first is this. Simeon's story reminds us that God is faithful. And specifically, God is faithful to his word. I won't belabor this point too much because I somewhat talked about it uh, in similar fashion last Sunday dealing with God's promises. But just by way of reminder, what God says and what he communicates to his people, we can rest assured that they will come to pass. God is faithful. He communicated via the Holy Spirit to Simeon that hey, you will see the Lord's Christ. You will see my Messiah. You will see the salvation that I will send forth for the people. And again, understanding that Simeon more than likely was an older man, and we don't know how many days he had left, yet God held forth his word. And so Simeon, again, his story reminds us 
that God is faithful. And we need to be reminded of that. When we are struggling, when we are doubting, when we are uh, confused, let us remember that we have a faithful God. And the things that he says to you and me throughout his word, they will come to pass. You've heard, you know, he may not come when he wants them, but he'll be right on time. Jesus, or God's word rather, will come to pass, and it will be at the right timing. So let's take encouragement through Simeon's story that God is faithful. Amen? Secondly, let's remember the role of the Holy Spirit in not only Christ's birth narrative, not only in all of Scripture, but the role of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. It's easy, you know, to talk about God the Father, It's easy to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, but how often do we leave out the third person of the Trinity? The Holy Spirit is prominent throughout the Scriptures. I am one who takes Genesis 1 as seeing the Holy Spirit there. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and uh, that's just my interpretive framework of that particular passage. But you'll see the Holy Spirit in various other portions. Uh, It talks about how the Holy Spirit fell upon David and and even Saul at one point and Samuel. Uh, You'll see prophecies of the Holy Spirit in Joel where the Spirit will come and be poured out on all of God's people. You see the Holy Spirit showing up when Jesus is baptized. You see the Holy Spirit showing up on the day of Pentecost and equipping the disciples. You hear Jesus talking about sending the Holy Spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, in this passage of Scripture, again, I don't don't think it goes without saying that Luke felt it was important to communicate that this was not just Simeon, some holy and devout guy who was doing this awesome thing and seeing this awesome revelation of God. Luke is adamant about communicating that Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this is prior to Pentecost. And so I just want to challenge us. I believe that this story not only reminds us that God is faithful, but it reminds us of the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in Jesus' earthly ministry. And the Spirit is indeed a helper, a counselor. It is various things for us. But I want to challenge you and myself to ask how often or how much attention do we give to the third person of the, whole, of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is prominent in this passage. He is also prominent in our lives, even whether or not we know it. He is there. Amen? And the third point uh, that I'll use before we move to conclusion, Joseph and Mary reminds us that the person and work of Jesus is worth marveling over. Again, you see... In the last verse that I had chosen, he says in verse 33, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Is Jesus worth marveling over to you and I? One of the things that I I asked the Lord for, and I don't know if this is revealing something bad about me, but, uh, you know, I can recall 
And, and, and I still have moments of this, but sometimes wear and tear gets at you and, and you tend to lose or, or forget about the love that you've had for something. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you, you get a shiny toy, whatever that may be, and, and you have it and you love it and, it, and it's wonderful and it's great and you want to show it off. And then a week, a month, maybe a year later, it's off in the corner somewhere and you're not thinking too much about it. Well, do we do our Savior like that sometimes? I mean, I get it that in our finite bodies, there's only so much we can grasp about this, uh, about our Lord. But uh, do we sometimes forget that he is worth marveling over? The fact that the Lord of all creation came to the earth and took upon himself flesh, frail human flesh, subjected himself to insults and, of course, ultimately death upon a cross, a criminal's cross. And he did this for you and I. But not only took upon himself uh, the, the, the filthiness that we had, but gives to us a new life, a new holiness, a, a, a righteousness, and, 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 and gives to us eternal life. I mean, these are things worth marveling over. I get it. I get it. Lamar Jackson is good. <laughs> and some of the things he does, we, if you're a football fan, you marvel over. I mean, he's almost as good as Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> some of y'all caught that. Go Chiefs. But anyhow... But anyhow, there are many folks from an earthly aspect that we can marvel over. There are some, some teachers out there that, that, that they are, the way they teach and how they teach and what they reveal is worth marveling over. There are some folks who are able to, 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 to go into a kitchen and whip up a meal that's, Lord, have mercy, we marvel over and, and, and that's fair. But if we can marvel at these things without marveling at our Savior, something is not right. And so I, I, I and by the way, I'm not, I'm, we need the Holy Spirit for this. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you to go marvel out of your own ability. I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit would help you and help me to marvel in a way that honors our Lord. So before my conclusion, the three reminders that, I, that I've chosen to give on today. First, Simeon's story reminds us that God is faithful. Amen? Number two, this story reminds us of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And thirdly, Joseph and Mary's portion of this story reminds us that Jesus is worth marveling over. Amen? Amen. Now, in conclusion, I wish to draw from his proclamation. He talks about Jesus being a light for the Gentiles, a light of revelation for the Gentiles, and glory for his people Israel. 
So uh, in a nutshell, you know, the Gentiles, they, uh, folks who were non-Jews were walking outside of the law and did not have access to, to uh, the things that God was communicating specifically for his people, uh, at least immediately. And yet now such folk would be brought in to this wonderful knowledge of the Messiah. And in terms of the glory of Israel, this is compared to the other glorious things. For example, there was something glorious about the temple. It represented you know, God's presence in a form or fashion. There's something glorious about the law. There's something glorious about the prophets. But none of those things compare to the true glory. And the true glory is the Messiah the one who was sent by the Father himself. And that being said, this passage as a whole, or at least the portion that we looked at, reminds us that God's good gift of his Son is for all peoples, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles. Christ is not just for men, but also for women. Christ is not just for the elderly, but for the youngest amongst us. Christ is a gift given by the Father for all of us. And if there's someone in here who does not know Christ, know that he is for you as well. He is presented as the way, the truth, and the life. And no one who tastes of the Lord will say that he is not good. We taste certain foods that not all that great. We go certain places and we experience certain places and we say, oh, it's not cracked up. Uh, it was, it's not made or as good as it was made to be. But when you taste of the Lord, you will see that he is good. This does not mean there won't be some heartache or some trials or tribulations. But the beauty about being in Christ is you learn how to have joy in the midst of all of that. And so I just want to say that for those who may not be in here who do not know the Lord, I encourage you to taste of him, to embrace him. Confess that you are a sinner in need of him and watch the Holy Spirit do his thing. But simply put, brothers and sisters, for this Christmas season, we have a great gift. Amen? We talk about grace. You can never disassociate grace from Christ. You talk about mercy. You have to talk about mercy in connection with Christ. You talk about forgiveness of sins. You have to talk about it in connection to Christ. We talk about joy. We talk about hope. We talk about eternal life. We talk about a new heavens and a new earth where we can talk about all of those things because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, to see salvation is to see Jesus. And so for this Christmas season, let us think upon these things. And as we do, may the Lord encourage us. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much uh, for Simeon's story. And while, Lord, we don't see much else about him, we believe you've put this in here for our benefit. And Father, we, um, for one, uh, just thank you for the fact that you are faithful. 
And as you held true to your word to Simeon and to all the other saints, we know that you will hold true to your word for us. We thank you so much, Father, for the role and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that he works even though we may not have acknowledged him. Help us to see your spirit in our lives. Father, we pray that you would help us to marvel afresh at the person and work of our great Savior. For what he done, what he did, only he could do. And we know that he continues to intercede on our behalf and will come back and help us to marvel over these things. And Father, we thank you so much for the great gift that is Christ and all that comes from this gift. We thank you, Lord, that it's not reserved for uh, an exclusive group of folks who either have it together or belong to a certain race or economic group, but you have given Christ for all who would call upon his name. We thank you for this gift. Help us to reflect on this. Help us to take encouragement by it. Help us to even be challenged by the things your spirit would have us to be challenged by. Thank you for salvation in Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 Yet again, if you're able to rise, I'll ask you to do so for our closing song. (laughs) 